Hey everyone, if you're a listener of the podcast, you know that in episode 171, we announced that you could take your well-being journey one step further with our line of supplements, which we co-created with Thorn. They are the brand most trusted by medical practitioners, and it was through deep and thoughtful conversations like the one we're about to dive into with Dr. Bob Roundtree, the functional medicine pioneer, that we created this groundbreaking line. And in this series, we're going to give you a glimpse into how we crafted this line, walking you through each key ingredient, the latest science, so you can hear firsthand how we targeted efficacious science-backed solutions for some of the problems so many of us are facing and thinking about. This week, we're tackling stress, not to mention all the confusion around hemp, CBD, and the endocannabinoid system, or the ECS for short. The ECS is the most exciting and important system you've never heard of. And when we think of the ECS and the why behind hemp and CBD and why so many people are excited, it's about stress. And with all the claims and confusion around CBD and hemp, it can actually create more stress. Look, when we created this product, maintaining a sense of calm was so important to us. So many of us struggle And with that in mind, we set out to create the ultimate formula that's safe, legal, and effective. And that came to fruition with our product called Hemp Multi Plus. It's safe. It's a fast-acting blend of organic hemp, certified organic from the European Union, which I'll come back to, combined with other potent botanicals like black cumin, rosemary, hops, as well as one of our favorite vitamins here at Green, vitamin D, killer for mood support, And the formula fosters relaxation, induces a sense of calm, and helps with mood support. And here's the best part. I'm going to go back to the hemp. We source the highest quality hemp in the world, certified organic hemp from the European Union. If you don't know, the European Union has much higher standards than we do here in the U.S., especially because here in the States, unfortunately, it's like the wild, wild west when it comes to CBD and hemp production. Everyone's making it, they're selling it. There's uncertainty around what's safe, what contains heavy metals or pesticides, and also what's going to get you high. Yes, I've heard stories from from friends in the Mind Body Green community who bought from sources and have, have gotten high, which was unexpected for them. And that part I want to stay on, that was super important to me. Safety was so important to me. And that's why we went with the European Union Certified organic hemp from the EU is the highest quality in the world. And look, the last time I got high was in 1999. So I have zero desire to do so now. And I also didn't want a product to knock me out or sedate me. What we were looking for, what I was looking for, was a source I could trust, a product that would help me become less reactive, help with stress, for example, I'm the type of guy I hold stress on my jaw, can you know start to tighten when I'm a little stressed. And what I find when I take our product, it loosens. I'm less reactive. And when we throw in that our hemp is CO2 extracted, it's eco-farmed, we have a supplement that I am super proud of. I take twice a day, once in the mid-morning and then again in the afternoon, and I love it and know that you will too. So check out mindbuddygreen.com slash hemp and... Here's Bob Roundtree. Bob, welcome back. Hi there. It's good to see you. So, anxiety, stress. I feel like everyone's anxious. Everyone's stressed. 
what are the consequences? Why is this so bad for us as individuals, as a society, like not controlling stress and anxiety? Do you know, it seems like it's spiraling out of control, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, there's some, and, and part of it, I think, is the information flow. You know, there can be uh, a bad storm in Mozambique, and you know about it an hour later. Or minutes later. You know about it. Min- <laughs> minutes later, you know that Mozambique has had, you know, the one of the worst storms in history, and that half the country is flooded. And if you're a conscious person, how, how do you, you know, do you just say, oh, well, that's karma. You know, that you, you can't just brush that stuff off. You think there's millions of people whose lives are affected, so you take that in personally. And then you've got, you know, deadlines at work. You've got to be there on time. And maybe you didn't get enough sleep the night before. You didn't get enough deep sleep. And all those things compound, you know. It's, it's just a... It's a stressful time to be alive, and uh, you know that stress has an impact on our health. There's really no question about it. There's there's many many studies showing that stress can accelerate just about any disease that you can think of. Um, the way I talk to my patients about it is, I say I don't think stress causes disease. What I think it does is it amplifies every disease you can name. <laughs> right. So it's stress is the great amplifier. You know, so, you know, if a person uh, is already prone to having a, uh, an irritable bowel, for example, you know, and then they get super stressed out, it's going to amplify all of those symptoms. So they might have had something going on genetically, you know, that uh, they could have manifested when they were a kid before they even uh, knew that there were big storms in Mozambique. Right, so there was already something going on before the external things came in that that had that influence. But then you bring in that external influence, and it's like loudspeakers in the ear saying, "Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God!" And a lot of people have those tapes inside of their brain, mm-hmm. saying, "Oh my God! Oh my God!" So you you know, I I see a lot of people with chronic illnesses, and and one of the first things I do is start talking to them about how to improve what's called the locus of control. Because part of what makes people feel stressed is when they feel out of control, when they feel like everything that's happening in the world is outside of their realm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I give that example of a bad storm in Africa, and you go, well, I couldn't have done anything about that. And then that makes you feel like you can't do anything about all the other things that are happening in your life as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, having people learn how to meditate Big you know deal. is it is, is it, i mean you know i've always thought meditation was a good thing i mean i i've meditated for i don't know 45 years or so and can't imagine that i just would have gotten through life without it i can't imagine but you know what about a person that's got high blood pressure you know and that's a presenting thing and they don't feel like they're stressed you know i i see this all the time Somebody comes in for a routine check, I check their blood pressure, and it's 140 over 90. And they're a little bit overweight, um, you know, maybe they eat a little too much salt, but I ask them, are you stressed? No, not particularly. And then I ask them about their life. And yeah, well, I got three kids. Mm-hmm. And I know right away, you got three kids, that'll do it. 
<laughs> right? And, you know, and I've got a full-time job and, you know, I'm, um, I'm struggling with my mortgage. And then you start realizing these things are adding up and this person has internalized their stress. So that, you know, that builds up all these chemicals, more adrenaline, et cetera, and all these things compound each other. So how can we tell if stress is causing long-term damage personally? Like, how do you know? Well, it can show up as certain illnesses. Like, I've already mentioned two in this discussion. One is cardiovascular. You know, it can raise blood pressure. And that's, that's one of the earliest signs that something is off is when blood pressure goes up. And the, and the technical term for that in medicine is neurogenic. Hmm. Neuro, you know, nervous system. Genic means it's generated by the nervous system. So there, there are people who are as calm as can be that will have high blood pressure, but a large percentage of them actually are driven by too much adrenaline. Right. Right? So cardiovascular issues, um, you know, IBS, Irritable bowel syndrome is another example, and that can go either way. People can either be clogged up or be too loose or have abdominal discomfort or cramping. All those things can come about as a result of too much stress. Um, And then there's more subtle things that are a little harder to pin down. So, you know, if a person says, gee, I get stressed and then I get a migraine. So you see this one-to-one relationship. But what if somebody's got an autoimmune disease? Can we make a case for some chronic disease like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or ulcerative colitis? Can we make a case for a relationship there? Absolutely, right? It's not an immediate feedback like the migraine headache that comes after a stressful week. You know, that's a little more obvious. A person can keep a symptom diary and see Mm -hmm. that. Um, But, you know, it can also play a role in these diseases where there's more delayed response. So I would say pick your disease, pick your disease and and stress is always there, which means to me, whatever uh, illness a person comes in with, at some point, I'm going to talk to them about how they manage stress. I mean, we're all living, you know, in this stressful society, but how do you manage it? And then what does science say about stress, Anxiety, anxiety particularly is a big one. A lot of people are anxious and obviously direct correlation with stress. You mentioned meditation. What else does science say? What can we do? What can we, so what does the science say we can do about it? Yeah. Um, you know, I have to, I have to say, at, uh, I was at Revitalize last year, as you know. Yes. And, uh, and I heard this great presentation by the doctor from Stanford. What was his name? Andrew Huberman. Yeah, that talked about box breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've recommended, you know, yogic breathing. Andrew Weil has been talking sure. about this. You know, yoga teachers talk about breathing. But I like the way Dr. Huberman kind of, you know, nailed it in terms of making it a very precise thing. This is how you do it takes you five minutes. And here's our data. We put people in brain scanners and we change their state from doing that. And I, I would say I've changed my way of practice since doing that. I've always taught people, you know, do mindfulness meditation. I'd give right. them a handout or, you know, something kind of like TM, the Herbert Benson. Sure. Method. So I've, I've taught a zillion techniques like this. But I, I like the box breathing because I like the data on it. You know, the data is basically saying, do this and it will change your state. And that's what we're talking about. What's your internal state around this? So I've done it myself uh, many times, you know, wake up in the middle of the night, you know, wondering like, you know, I got to catch a plane to Beijing and I got to leave first thing in the morning. I'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking I'm going to miss the plane. 
Like, well, a lot of good that that does me. What can I do about that stress? You know, I'll just do this box breathing technique, and it's just. Can I you just summarize it fun. for people? Huber, okay. Huberman will 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 show people. Well, people will listen, and Huberman will go deep on it. But if you just had to summarize for people, um, I mean, my my limited understanding of how you do it is that you breathe like a box. Is that you breathe in for a certain number of counts? Mm-hmm. You know, and different people have different numbers of counts, but it's somewhere between four and ten counts. So you breathe in, yep. and then you hold it. And that's what's different. So you breathe in and you hold it. And there's something about the holding. And then you try to hold that for the same number of counts, four to ten counts. And then you breathe out four to ten counts. And then you hold it again. Mm-hmm. And the, so that's what's different about that and, say, some of the yogic breathing techniques, which are just slow in and out. Yep. There's something about those holding intervals that really seem to make a difference. And I, I've experienced it myself. Wow. Yeah, so it's, what, a, it's a way cool thing to do. And then there's also movement, you know, for people that just can't sit still. And <laughs> you probably know people like that in New York. Sure. They cannot sit still even five minutes to do that. Those people I recommend yoga, qigong, tai chi, things like that, which can be very, very soothing, very calming. And I have to ask a lot of people, you know, CBD, big thing right now. CBD is hot right now, <laughs> which is... You know, partly because it's been legalized and partly because uh, people have started to get that there's a difference in THC and CBD. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's I'm not sure exactly when that emerged. What, 10 years? Sometime in the last 10 years where, you know, we really started talking about isolating this particular compound called a phytocannabinoid and saying, wait a minute, it's not pot per se, that the people are getting their benefit from. It's a specific ingredient in pot, in marijuana, that people are getting that from. And guess what? You can get it from a plant that's very similar to pot, but not exactly the same, and that's hemp. Right. So I think people get now THC, psychoactive, CBD, CBD not psychoactive. But what I think people don't understand is the relationship between CBD and hemp. Okay, so you get CBD is in marijuana, yep, and CBD is in hemp, but there's my understanding is there's a higher concentration, much higher concentration of CBD in the hemp. I can't give you the number for the concentration that's in the marijuana, but in the hemp, um, it's a much higher concentration, and that that makes all the difference. But well, wait a minute, hemp, hemp and marijuana aren't they the same? Well, they're the same plant cannabis sativa mm-hmm. right but they're different cultivars so what's a cultivar well broccoli cauliflower cabbage and brussels sprouts are all the same plant brassica oleracea same plant did you know that i did not know that they're exactly the same plant right if you think about it if you um you know, you look at a Brussels sprout, it's, you know, tiny little cabbages, right? Makes so they're sense. all the, so what, you know, what you do is you grow the plant, you cultivate the plant over time so that it'll have certain characteristics. So instead of all these little bitty Brussels sprouts, you'll have one big cabbage, hmm. right? Or in broccoli, you're, you know, or broccolini, you're, you're cultivating it so that certain forms of it will have the little florets on it. So the difference between broccoli and cabbage or broccoli and Brussels sprouts is the same as the difference between hemp and marijuana. 
right? Exactly the same plant, but cultivated in a certain way. So genetically, it's obviously different. And what that means genetically is that um, you're going to get a different mix of compounds. The other thing that most people don't realize is that most hemp products are extracted from the stalk, the good ones anyway. So hemp seed doesn't really have much CBD in it. Hemp seed or hemp seed oil is really good for your skin, but it's not good if you're using it as a source of CBD or as, as I hope we'll get into all the other wonderful chemicals that are in the hemp stalk. So, you know, with, the, with, with marijuana, you're cultivating the leaves, right? The buds, you know, everybody knows about the buds, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's where the active ingredients are, whereas the stalk of the hemp is really where, literally where the money is. Well, there's all this other good stuff. CBD is just one of those things. And this is, here's the problem is that CBD somehow got early recognition did a good branding campaign. It's a good very, PR manager. It's a very good branding campaign. Everybody's talking about CBD. But, you know, it's similar to what I've seen in the botanical medicine community for years. You know, um, an example of this is, remember the herb St. John's wort? Sure. Right? Somewhere along the line, somebody said, oh, we think the active ingredient is called hypericin. And so all of the St. John's wort products that came out were standardized for hypericin. And there were even some uh, plant, some plant extracts that were being spiked with hypericin. So they weren't even St. John's Wort after a while, mm-hmm. right? They just, you know, they they were plant, they were plant extracts, plant material that were put together to look like St. John's Wort with synthetic hypericin added. It turned out that hypericin wasn't the active ingredient. Mm-hmm. Now that's CBD definitely got activity, so it's not quite a full-on analogy but it's the same idea is that people got so focused on this one chemical and what they weren't asking is whether it wasn't the mix of chemicals in the saint john's word right that were at work here right it's the mix that's important cbd is only one of a whole range of what's called phytocannabinoids Yes. Right? And they work better together, just like with the St. John's Word. Is that, you know, I think what happened with some of the studies is they used the St. John's Word stuff that was spiked with hypericin, and it wasn't working. And people got discouraged, and it, it kind of dropped off the map. You never hear about anybody taking St. John's Word anymore, do you? Mm-hmm. Right? It was one of the number one selling herbs in the country. It was the herbal Prozac. And then people completely lost interest in it. Now it's actually a little bit hard to find. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing as we get it's really like, focused on this mentality of like, it must be that one chemical that's the issue. To me, I, you know, I'm a, I love sports, so I think about it in a sports metaphor where you got one star player, but you need the team. You absolutely, it's not just Stephen Curry. Exactly, yeah. It's not just Steph Curry. You need Draymond, you need Clay, you need, yeah. you need Kevin. You can't forget about team. Kevin Durant, Steve Curry, the whole, the whole team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But so. also the ECS. The endocannabinoid system. And let's talk about that because people will say, okay, hemp, CBD, I take it, anxiety, stress. But the, get to the why yeah. and, and the ECS, the endocannabinoid system. Okay, so the first, but I want to make one thing clear sure, sure. here is that we there is actually a term that's used to describe this whole mix of these phytocannabinoids. And, and phyto just means plant and cannabinoids means chemicals that affect the endocannabinoid system. 
right? So that's what we're going to talk about here. But um, it turns out that when you mix all those phytocannabinoids together, and not just the phytocannabinoids, but there's supportive compounds, right, that are in there. There's antioxidants that are in stock, you know, so it's a, mm-hmm. in the hemp stock as a whole mix. And that has been referred to as the entourage effect. I love that word, the entourage. Entourage. The entourage, yes. Um, to say that, you know, when you use all these things together, then you don't need as much of, of any individual one. So, you know, people often say, well, how much CBD do you recommend? Exactly. Right? Is it 10 milligram, 15 milligram, More is not better. More is not better. Now, if you're going to use CBD to treat seizures, you know, and the, and the FDA has approved the drug to treat seizures, you know, we're talking hundreds of milligrams. So a massive amount, very expensive for a compound that's doing one thing. But the early um, product that came out to treat seizures, uh, everybody knows that it, it's called Charlotte's Web, mm-hmm. right? That didn't have as much CBD in it as the drug that's being approved by the FDA. So you didn't need as much when you've got this wider range of chemicals that are involved. So that brings us to this issue of the cannab. What are cannabinoids? Well, it turns out we make these chemicals in our body called cannabinoids. One of them is called anandamide, right? That was really the first one that was uh, that was discovered. Um, that means the bliss molecule. The bliss molecule. Ananda, bliss. So anandamide is the bliss molecule. And believe it or not, you make it from a fat that's found in meat. I know we've talked about this. <laughs> we yeah. talked about this from a, you make it from arachidonic acid. So. You know, it, this whole discovery of the endocannabinoid system started by by recognizing that we make these chemicals and then asking the question, well, what are these chemicals doing in the body? You know, and then realizing, wow, there's this whole system at work. And by a system, I mean, there's coordinated receptors. There's receptors on nerve cells. And these are called CB1, CB2 receptors. And they're found all over the body. So obviously the, the big ones are the ones found in the brain, the CB1 receptors. And that's what anandamide binds to. And how do you activate the same thing that anandamide activates with THC? Right? So if you get a surge of activity of binding to these CB1 receptors, then that's when you get the psychoactive effect. That's when a person gets stoned. Sure. They get high from that. Are we aiming for that? No. <laughs> no, no, we're not aiming for that because your average person is saying, well, I'm not, I don't want to get high, but I've heard that, that modulating the endocannabinoid system may help me with stress, um, may help d- chronic pain, may help me sleep better, may help my immune system, may help my gut. Well, how could that be? Well, it could be because these receptors are found in immune cells. Right? And when you, when you activate these receptors, well, so there's two things you can do. You can either have chemicals that activate the receptors directly, and THC is a really good example, or you can have chemicals that block the enzymes that normally break down the chemicals you're producing in your body. So you make these endocannabinoids on the spot as you need them, and then they break down very quickly. So if you inhibit the enzymes that break them down, you will support your body's own production of anandamide right. and you'll Act get more bliss. benefit from it. So you get your own little bliss, uh, but you won't get high from it. 
So this is basically saying we can support a system in our body that is responsible for homeostasis. That's how I like to think about it. So the endocannabinoid system is involved in, in homeostasis. So the, you, you think of the fight-flight system, you know, the autonomic nervous system, fight or flight, rest or relax, right? So that does a really specific thing. The endocannabinoid system does a really specific things. It, it, it maintains metabolic homeostasis. Which is a big deal. It's a, it's a huge <laughs> deal, right? If people are chronically stressed, if they're anxious, if their body's keyed up, you know, their blood pressure's going up, their, um, the motility in their intestinal tract is irregular, um, you know, everything just basically goes haywire, literally. And there's pretty strong science with regards to hemp, hemp it's, oil it's, and anxiety. Um, you know, I started seeing presentations at medical conferences, what, 10 years ago, and and I'll be perfectly honest, I kind of dismissed it. I thought, oh, these are old hippies, old hippie doctors, you know, that are just looking for new uses for marijuana. And then I started looking at the the research going, holy cow, just yesterday, Medical Journal published an article, case reports of using CBD for post-traumatic stress syndrome. You know, so... One area where they've done a lot of research is in war vets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In war vets, you know, who come back with terrible, uh, what we call, used to call shell shock, you know, where their nervous system is just fried from bombs going off all the time and, you know, planes flying over and not knowing if you're going to get shot at. I mean, that sort of thing is bad for your nervous system. And we used to tell these people, get over it. Get over right. it. But, you know, you don't just get over it. You, nobody gets over it. Right? You've got to do something about it. And it turns out that using phytocannabinoids, you know, that are that are rich in C B D but the whole entourage effect seem to be one of the most promising options for treating this scenario, which I think is profound. And you know, that's why we've got people at the VA, the Veterans Administration, that are really interested in this because they're spending, you know, a lot of money trying to help these people. Um, and what if we said, hey, this, this stuff is, uh, is non-addictive, you know? I actually uh, heard a presentation where somebody was talking about phytocannabinoids as being the exit drug, you know? So we used to say marijuana was the entry drug. Like right. that's, you start down that path and then your whole life falls apart. But now people are saying it's the entry into getting away from opiates because we, you know, obviously have this massive opiate epidemic in this country, what can we do about that? So talk, talking about this country and CBD and hemp, one thing that comes to mind too is it's a little bit of the wild, wild west with regards to CD, CBD and sourcing and claims. And I, and I go back to, you know, I, I think the U.S. is lagging Europe with regards to yep. farming certification. Yep. In the USA, it's like everyone's everyone's got CBD, every farmer's growing everybody's CBD, everyone's got, got a hemp. And like still talk a little about, about Europe versus the USA and how Europe is still... Well, first thing I want to say is I, I went to a conference in uh, at University of Mississippi in Oxford a couple of years ago, where the, the U.S. government has been growing marijuana for years, right? So they've got this uh, this research lab that's probably the most sophisticated lab in the world, um, and they went out and analyzed CBD products. So they just went, you know, at health food stores sure. everywhere online, and they bought all these top-level CBD products, some of which were, you know, hundreds of dollars a bottle. 
analyze them. And to my shock, I guess it shouldn't have been to my shock. I should have said, okay, this is what you expect. But um, a huge percentage of them had almost no CBD at all. So, you know, these are presumably growers and extractors that really thought that they knew what they're doing. I'm not saying that they were all trying to be fraudulent. They just don't know. <laughs> they just don't know exactly how to do the extraction. So this gets back to that whole argument about St. John's Word and hypericin is that people get so focused on this one chemical and then they're selling this one chemical. And the next step up from that is, well, let's just synthesize CBD, right? Let's just make a, you know, a totally synthetic CBD or something like it. And there are variations on CBD out on the market, not good right that can be really toxic so you know i I tend to think nature knows best i'd much rather go with with a plant with a known plant-based extract i want to go with somebody who knows what they're doing who's been at it for a long time um, and that's what they've been doing in europe you know i know i mean believe it or not poland well, there's a real yeah, certification. growing in Poland yeah. for, yeah, well, there's a certification Well, there's process. a real certification process over yep. there, and the U.S. Yep. doesn't have it yet. And so until right. they have it, you don't know what's in it. Yep. And people may be trying to do the right thing, but you just don't, what, what heavy metals get in it? You just have no idea what's in it. Uh, you know, so it's got to be organic. I mean, and a lot of the, the, quote, CBD products, they don't say anything about organic on the label. You can't in the U.S. You're not there. Technically, it's... it's you technically can't, can, can. so it's tricky. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's no certification process here. There's no path, right? as we say, to making that happen. And that's really problematic. So I, I you know, in, in my own clinical practice, I exclusively recommend the European products. So to summarize a couple of things. So one, it's about the entourage and hemp to yes. get the maximum be- benefits versus just the star player and CBD. Yep. And then I think a lot of people, of all the information out there, tend to think of CBD of just, you know, quantity is better and, and not true. It's about entourage. Yep. Other thing I think is important, to, I want to hear your thoughts. You know, what's the best way to take hemp oil? For benefits you know we've we got or you got you see gummies you see tinctures you see gel caps just delivery so we're, we're talking about hemp cbd we're talking about the quantities and numbers got that and the last thing is like delivery systems okay and organic obviously yeah organic really important um gummy bears are sugar right so um there was a, a published article recently about edibles and so this is the bigger issue about marijuana edibles saying that, you know, you, you basically have no idea what you're getting. So, you know, this was in a Colorado newspaper. So being from Colorado, you know, you get all the latest about, like, you know, how this is, how's this legalization working? You know, so you get somebody who flies in to Colorado and they immediately go to a pot shop. They buy some edibles, they get some gummies and they eat it and, they, and nothing happens. And they say, nothing's going on. So they go to a bar. <laughs> have a couple of drinks, and then all of a sudden they're on the floor, right? So, you know, you, when you're buying a gummy, you just don't know what's in it. you got to be really careful. And, you know, sure. I wouldn't buy one from a pot shop. I mean, I, I wouldn't buy I, I don't buy from pot shops anyway, but, you right. know, I, wouldn't, I can't recommend that to my client. Um, so I don't recommend gummies. Uh, again, liquids can be a little bit unstable. I like capsules when you know exactly how much is in the capsule. Right. That's, so that's my preference. You know, other people would say, well, you know, 
What about a tincture or a glyceride or something like that? I don't know. To me, it's a little bit variable. If I'm going to use a product, I want my patient to, to get exactly the same amount every single day so I can say, oh, how did this dose work? You know, mm-hmm. do you need, and most people need, you know, typically one to three capsules a day. So we're not saying, you know, you're, you're going to have to try 10 capsules a day. It's right. generally in a very, very narrow therapeutic range. So I like capsules because I like the stability of the capsules and I like the consistency of the capsules. I'm with you. So what's the, as I alluded to earlier, you know, so much information out there, so many products. What's the what's the biggest mistake, in your opinion, that people make when they are picking a product? Hemp CBD? Um, buying a buying a label that looks pretty. <laughs> 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 There's a lot of really pretty labels out there, you know. Or or buying it just because you know they went down to a, a pot shop and somebody said, "Hey, we you know we we think this is a good brand," but. Are there assays on the product? You know, so a- the mistake people make is not asking for the the background material. Where know, is it grown? Is where it is it tested? grown? Where did it come from? How is it tested? You know, how do you know it's organic? Uh, I mean, this organic thing, this is a huge deal. Because yeah. the garbage that they spray on these plants is just amazing. Well, just amazing. And I think what's so interesting is that, you know, I think our audience, I think a lot of people know the power of organic. And then with regards to CBD and hemp in the U.S. is you can't go, oh, well, I'm not going to worry about but that. But in reality, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And that's where I say Europe has always been ahead of us. And they're ahead of us right now. Right well, even, now again. You know, you would think if they're growing plants indoors, why are they going to need to spray it? But they, they've analyzed these plants for resid- for pesticide residues and found... Huge residues on them. Yeah. Right? It's so it's, it's like scary. Most CBD out there is toxic and people don't even know it. Yep. Yeah. So a mistake is not verifying that you're getting what you think you're getting. Right? So having some way of going, okay, other than the opinion of the clerk <laughs> that's working yeah. in the store, right? Or some friend that said it was good, you know, I, I want a scientific opinion. Right. You know, uh, and you know, going with a company that's really legit, that's been around for a long time, um, all those things are important. And then making sure there's no contaminants. So, so is it what it says it is, and are there no contaminants? And so my last question, what are some of the things, you know, okay, it's about the entourage. What are, what are some other things that go well with the entourage? Well, there's a chemical called beta-caryophyllin. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, spell that really quickly backwards and forwards. <laughs> um, you know, it's a it's a phytocannabinoid-like substance. You know, and it, it's found in black pepper and cloves, among other things. Mm-hmm. You know, so I like the idea of using it. I mean, I think there's there's a surprising number of evidence, a uh, number of papers that have been written showing that these can actually enhance the effect of the quote of the CBD alone. Mm. So, you know, that's an example. Um, I think black cumin is one, you know, a plant that's been used as a medicinal plant in the Middle East for a really long time. And we know that's got beta-caryophyllin in it, uh, among other things. Um, So, you know, I I like the idea of having another mix of chemicals and not just just hemp. Um, I think, I mean, nothing against hemp. 
Sure. But I think that, you know, more we can expand our horizons, the better. And I think we're going to see more of this in the future. I think this is the beginning of a huge trend, you know, is is to look for these uh, substances like beta-caryophyllin, you know, that can, that can actually support the entourage. And what about vitamin D? It's one um, I always hear we don't get enough of sun. So there's this thing called seasonal affective disorder. Yes, I experienced it here in New York. Right. What, <laughs> oh, and what causes that? <laughs> and, you know, the abbreviation for it is SAD. <laughs> I, you know, I feel sad. But, you know, and they say, well, what you should do every morning is get those, uh, those full-blown lights, full-spectrum lights, you know, to flash on at 6.30 a.m. And you probably got those in your bedroom, don't you? Yeah. Kaboom! We, we, just, we just have a two-year-old that just walks in and says, Hi! 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 I'm, I'm your cure. <laughs> I'm, here, you're, I'm here to cure you of sad or maybe to make it worse. So here's the deal. It, some people are thinking that seasonal affective disorder might be a result of vitamin D deficiency. And Dr. Michael Hollick did some really interesting research. At, uh, he's, I believe is at... Um, um, maybe Boston University, and they did studies of people living in Boston in the winter uh, where they measured their vitamin D levels all year. And sure enough, starting around September, October, vitamin D levels plummet. Their levels plummet. And then they, part of the experiment, and I saw this in a presentation, is he had people go up on the roof of their building and get those little um, sun reflectors <laughs> and, you know, take off their... Uh, their, their toboggans, and then put these sun reflectors on to try to fill their face up with sun, it made no difference. <laughs> it made zero difference whatsoever. It made no difference at all. So anyway, the research is, is pointing towards vitamin D as being the thing that may be responsible for the drop in mood that occurs in the dark winter months. And directly related to anxiety and, and stress. And which relate, you know, so if you're already feeling a little bit down, you're less resilient. Right. And so, you know, vitamin D, I would, I would call it a bit of a resilience vitamin. It's, it helps your immune system be resilient. Um, we know that, that people who um, are deficient in vitamin D are more prone to autoimmune disorders. And one of the things that we use hemp oil for, and I, I use this sure. a lot, is to decrease inflammation. So vitamin D, in an indirect but nevertheless powerful way, is an anti-inflammatory. So part of the what we're going to call the super entourage. The super entourage, entourage would for be the enter, endocannabinoids. For the endocannabinoids would be to add a little vitamin D to that as well. I love it. Dr. Bob Roundtree, thanks so much. My pleasure. Check out mindbuddygreen.com slash hemp. <laughs>